0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: 601-870. You can text us at 870-870. Coming up after our first break, we will go live to Lambeau Field to get a look in at some Tiger fans. A lot of folks still making their way. Folks have already been camped out outside the stadium for hours. It is the historic day in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's the first ever college football game in the house that Vince Lombardi built. Also, there are some big games in college football today. And let's take a run and look now at some of the big ones that are happening involving SEC teams. USC versus Alabama. It is the Clemson Tide and Ole Miss
0: versus Florida. (laughs) Oh, that was a double take there.
1: It is Alabama and USC. Travis Ryder, senior writer of Tiger Bait, excuse me, Tiger Bait, of BamaOnline.com joins us now. Travis, for the third straight year, Alabama will have a different quarterback. Who is the Tide's quarterback starting under center today when the Tide battled the Trojans?
2: It, it would seem to point towards um, Cooper Bateman, but Blake Barnett very much in that mix. So we're likely not going to find out until pregame warm-ups. If then, if not, we'll find out on the opening snap. But my money right now would be on Cooper Bateman, but I won't be surprised if it ends up being a redshirt freshman, Blake Barnett.
3: Uh, Travis, when you look at Alabama, they seem to have made a habit of replacing Heisman running backs and quarterbacks and really not missing a beat. Uh, is there more cause for concern, though, this year as opposed to maybe some others?
2: I think there is simply because you got to replace 2,219 yards and 28 touchdowns at running back in a guy named Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the lack of experience that Alabama has at that position going into this season, it makes it different, makes it unique from the last couple of years because at least in 2014 and 2015, you knew you had returning production in the running game. You don't know that this year. Between both Scarborough and Damian Harris, you're talking about two backs with just a combined 64 career carries to their credit. So as much as we're going to find out about the quarterback situation tonight, I think we're going to find out even more about the running game given what they have to replace.
3: And uh, Travis, what about this Bama offensive line uh, losing Ryan Kelly? Um, Maybe one of the losses that isn't talked about a lot. Is this offensive line going to be as strong as people have come to expect out of time?
2: I think it has the, the potential to be. Now it may take a little of time now. I think what we've seen in the last week or so is that they've thought more about the short term right now. They're thinking with playing Bradley Bozeman at center after working Ross Pierce Baker there through the spring and into the fall camp, that for the short term to be effective, they have a better chance of doing that with Bradley Bozeman at center. So that's something to keep an eye on tonight. You know, replacing a three-year starter in Ryan Kelly is not just about trying to replace Derrick Henry and Kenyon Drake. Uh, there's a guy up front that was the glue, really, to this offensive yeah. line for the last three years. And so it's going to be really critical to see how well they go about doing that.
1: Travis, wow. Travis, how can everybody get the latest on today's matchup and the Crimson Tide?
2: Thanks, Deke, as always. Go to BamaOnline.com or Alabama.247Sports.com. Either way will get
1: you to us. Travis, and finally, USC Alabama, who is going to win and by how much?
2: I think it's going to be a grinder myself, Deke. I think both teams, it's in their DNA to run the football. I mean, when you look at the backs that have come through these programs, Charles White, Marcus Allen, O.J. Simpson, uh, Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, Sean Alexander for Alabama, not those kind of backs, at least right now on the field tonight. But at the end of the day, I think the running game is going to decide it. I think Alabama does just enough on the ground is able to get some separation in the second half, wins by – ten
1: or so. And Travis, I'm, I'm going to throw in a couple more that I saw that really did good in Tiger Stadium. That would be Saran Stacey and Bobby Humphrey. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Travis Rob, BamaOnline.com. Travis, have a good time today. Enjoy Alabama and USC. Thanks, D. Appreciate it. All right. Big ones continue, including one Labor Day night.
0: Ole Miss versus Florida State.
1: It is a battle of a new-facing quarterback coming in for Jimbo Fisher's nose versus perhaps one of the most talented overall best quarterbacks in the country and Chad Kelly. With performances like he had last year against teams like Alabama and LSU, his stock rose to say the least. And with two games in the first four weeks of the season against top five opponents in Florida State and Alabama, Chad Kelly may be a couple of performances away and a solid season from possibly being the number one quarterback taking in the draft. Will it be enough? And what does Ole Miss have left in the cupboard after three players were drafted in the first round in the draft back in April. Paris offer who covers the Rebels for the Ole Miss Daily Journal, joins us now. Parrish, Ole Miss and Florida State, uh, a lot of folks think the Rebels can go in here and steal one. What's your feel? feel? Well, yeah,
4: they could. I mean, they have some ability. They lost three first-round draft picks, but they've recruited well. They have some talent. They have Chad Kelly, as you mentioned, and they have weapons around him. You know, they have young guys who I think will be playmakers, and it's just their time to kind of transition into different roles at receiver and and running back. I think they have a good chance. There are some matchups that favor Ole Miss, like uh, Florida State starting a redshirt freshman quarterback, but Ole Miss has some concerns in the secondary too. So, you know, I think they got a
3: shot. And and Parrish, when you hear about Ole Miss, uh, one of the kind of just highlights, people say, well, five new starters on the offensive line. However, aren't the guys that are taking over, they're a bit more experienced maybe than that sentence would lead you to believe?
4: Uh, There absolutely is. Now, you know, there are guys along that line who have started games They may not have been the number one starter at the end of last season. But, uh, you know, Javon Patterson, a a sophomore right now, started seven or eight games Mm -hmm. last year. Jordan Sims, the right guard, started the last four. You you got a senior at center coming off an ACL injury, uh, but uh, a good gritty player in Robert Conyers. And then, uh, you know, Sean, uh, Sean Rawlings over at right tackle. He started every game at right tackle last year in which Laramie Tunsil was suspended. So, Vaughn Cooper went to left. Sean Rawlings started it right. You know, so all those guys have more experience than that sentence leads you to believe. I think they'll be okay, but that's, you know, that's certainly an area to watch.
1: Paris, Parris, Paris Ole Miss is about a three-and-a-half, four-point underdog on Monday night. Rebels and Seminoles, how's this one going to play out Monday?
4: You know, look, I I like when you have an experienced quarterback, Deke. I I think that makes a world of difference, especially in a first game. It's a tough environment. Chad Kelly performed well in tough environments last year. I don't think he's going to be rattled. And if he is settled, I think that will help the team around him settle you know, I, yeah, I pick Ole Miss because I think it's a toss up. And so, uh, hey, my philosophy on this is if uh, the team I'm covering has a chance to win and I pick them, it saves me some grief. So, <laughs> there you go. Nothing wrong
1: with that. Paris Alford covering the Rebels for the Ole Miss Daily Journal. Paris, how can people keep up with you on Twitter?
4: They can find me on Twitter at Paris Alford, and the website is djournal.com.
1: Paris, thank you so much. Enjoy the Rebels and the Knowles.
4: Y'all have a good day.
1: All right. And finally, we wrap up tonight in College Station. UCLA at Texas A&M. Well, the Aggies have a coach. He's the seventh highest paid coach in college football. And boy, when the honeymoon was rolling, it was rolling there. Double-digit victories. And, of course, he became the seventh highest paid coach. That being Kevin Sumlin for the Texas A&M Aggies. With a game this week against national ranked UCLA, then a sandwich game in between of Auburn, you have Prairie View and Arkansas to round out the month of September. Suzanne Halliburton, who covers the Texas A&M Aggies, is here with us now. Suzanne, when you look at the three of the first four games of September, they could be crucial. Uh, it would be much better served if uh, the Aggies started off 3-1 and one instead of 2-2 two and two or 1-3. and three. Be a little bit of heat. Maybe a lot of heat come down on Sumlin if that's the case at the end of the September.
5: Yeah, he'll be he'll he'll be feeling the heat of the late Texas summer if he <laughs> loses. And what what's really odd about an A and M season is they typically start really fast. They beat Arizona State last year. Two, in 2014, they beat South Carolina. South Carolina, and everybody thought they were good. And they have a tendency to like preen. Do some September pruning, yep. and then they do some
0: October
3: salooning. <laughs> and, so. and, and, Suzanne, when you look at this SEC West, uh, everybody talks about Alabama, LSU, but when you start to get in the conversation of maybe who's third best, Texas A&M becomes very attractive. Second year under John Chavis on the defense. Miles Garrett, the one of the top defensive players in the nation, returning. Uh, is this a year where Texas A&M can maybe look to surprise people and kind of flip the script and have a really successful season?
5: You know they could. They it and it depends on Trevor Knight, their quarterback who transferred from Oklahoma. In SEC, people go, oh, that's Trevor Knight who beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Well. That's been Trevor Knight's claim to fame, and he never messed <laughs> yeah. up. Seriously, I, <laughs> yeah.
1: mm-hmm. that's right. I, no, she's right.
5: I see. Yeah, I see him in the big. I've, I saw him in the Big Twelve, and as his full year starter, he was not good. A uh, not a good quarterback. He was average. Um, Threw a lot of interceptions. Uh, You know, he liked to run around, and I know Bob Stoops was always, I asked him about it, and Bob said that he was, you know, didn't want to get Trevor Knight hurt by having him run because at that point that was the best thing he did. And then, sure enough, he got had a really bad um, neck-head injury that kept him out several games. And then when he got back his last game as the starter of that season, they almost got shut out to Clemson in the bowl game. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much – but quarterbacks obviously can grow. And the, right. he is a new offensive coordinator, and with new life, who knows? Maybe he lives up to the potential he had that we all saw when he played Alabama.
1: Suzanne Halliburton, A&M. for the, covering A&M for the Austin American Statesman. Suzanne, how can people keep up with you on Twitter?
5: Well, on Twitter, I'm at S-U-Z Halliburton, and then my website is statesman.com, and after talking to y'all, I'm going to sit there and go to the Aggie game with my
1: Cajun accent. All right, Suzanne, that sounds I- that sounds good. You might want to whisper loud. Don't talk loud. I won't
5: talk loud. Well, uh, y'all have a good one. Thank
1: you, Suzanne. We appreciate it. Coming back, we're getting you set for LSU and Wisconsin on WWL. <laughs>
3: Welcome back. T-Bob Abear here on WWLAMFM.com. Uh, Tigers set to take on Wisconsin just a few hours away now, but three hours, man, until the 2016 campaign kicks off. A campaign uh, riddled with championship expectations. Uh, like we said, when Fernette and this signing class, uh, the really celebrate! I believe, 2013 signing class. Now, when they originally signed three years ago, this was the season that everybody pointed to, and it's finally here. And when you talk about keys to the game, things that LSU needs to do in order to be successful, uh, I think one of them has to be, and this sounds incredibly obvious, but a lot of times what obvious is is so because, well, it's true. I think this offense especially has to start fast. When you talk about the LSU offense, it's not necessarily a squad that is going to be judged uh, on its own merit. This is a, a, a side of the ball that carries a decade's worth of baggage. When you look at Tiger fans, how upset they are, uh, I guess over the past 10 years with most of the quarterback play that has been displayed, most of really the offensive play, especially in this last half decade, the more recent era, it is critical that this offense doesn't have one of those uh, run the ball, run the ball pass on third down, three and outs. If they have that, immediately what you're going to hear is moaning and groaning, oh, same old offense, and people are going to make summary judgments with an incredibly small sample size. Now, the flip side of that is that if you put together a solid first drive, if you manage to turn down the field and go score, then everybody's going to be celebrating like the offense is fixed, it's evolved, and that's not true either. However, the team and the coaches I would argue gain much more confident or they gain much more confidence in that type of situation. So something I'm looking for is this offense has to hit the ground running and they're going to be tested. When you look at this Wisconsin defense, although they lost a lot, they're still very talented. We mentioned Vince Beagle returning, number one outside linebacker according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, and when you combine that with the fact that Wisconsin was number one in scoring defense last year, number two in total defense, well, you see that LSU's going to be tested off the bat. So can they start fast, Deke? That's something that, uh, I'm keeping an eye on because like we said, if they go three and out already, people are going to be ready to ride
1: off fire
3: miles, fire Cameron, Brandon Harris sucks. It's over, man.
1: (laughs) T <laughs> Bob before we move further on our college football, I want to get your take. The Minnesota Vikings, I guess they say teams that are desperate or do things out of desperation. Some may feel that, some may feel this was just, but the Minnesota Vikings, we all know the tragic injury or the terrible injury suffered by Teddy Bridgewater earlier this week that forced Minnesota to be at least on the lookout be on the lookout for uh, a quarterback. Well, they've gotten their quarterback in Philadelphia, Sam Bradford. I'll let you give the details. And uh, Philadelphia uh, got rich on this deal, seemingly for what uh, what Bradford has been giving them back in return. Yeah, so uh, Philly gets a first and a fourth
3: from the Vikings for Sam Bradford. I mean, that is truly unbelievable. And I know we discussed it, Deke, but Q Saints fans – Talking about well, how much could you got for Breeze? Why did they make the move? Like we, we 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 can talk about that further in depth later. But as far as what the Vikings gave up, uh as much as I hate it for Minnesota fans, you do understand it. This is a complete team when you're talking about the Vikings, and they have to strike while the iron's hot. They've got a good running game. They've got a a, a really solid defense, but. Look, in the NFL, it's a very transient league and you can't keep these squads together. They have to take advantage uh, while they can, which is right now. And I think what else we can maybe, if you want to read between the lines on this deal, Deke, I think the the, the the fact that Bradford has a couple years worth of contract and the fact that they gave up so much, I think that speaks to the fact that they don't, they're not 100% sure where, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be even next year. How does he recover from this injury? Mm -hmm. And uh, in the end, though, it is absolutely insane, man. Sam Bradford, I don't know if it's his shamanistic roots, but he continues to live a charmed NFL life. Like in a day and age where... Everything's slanted towards management, right? We talked about that. The CBA, the owners made out like bandits. They they got one over on the players. Well, they didn't get one over on Sam Bradford. He just got paid eleven million dollars by the Philadelphia Eagles to do OTAs and then complained publicly when they drafted a quarterback and he got paid eleven mil mm. by Philly. But uh still look, you understand why both sides came to the table, even if for the Vikings, this is just well. I guess if you're a Vikings fan, it, it it's just so disheartening because this never happens without Teddy Bridgewater leg exploding.
1: All right, again, T. Bob Apeg giving you the latest from Philadelphia, the Associated Press, and many other outlets reporting Sam Bradford has been traded to the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota gets a first-round pick, excuse me, Minnesota gives a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick in the 17 and 18 NFL drafts. We'll come back and we'll go to Lambeau Field, Well, a lot of Tiger fans are excited about the Tigers and the Wisconsin Badgers in the house Lombardi built. He's T. Bob Apeg. I'm Deke Belavere. WWL time is 1131. It's time for First News and Don